Friday edition of Smith and Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Getting set to close out the week. Roll into the weekend for the kids. It's about, what, a week away or so roughly for March break. Maybe some of you in uh, college, university already on spring break and weather starting to turn a little bit. But it's not all positive vibes this morning, unfortunately. Not if you're a Toronto Raptors fan. As we have said the last couple of days, on paper, on paper, on paper. But you got to go play the game, Jonesy. You got to go do it on the floor between the lines. And on paper, this looked like a good stretch for the Raptors. Two games against the Nets, who were still playing without a bunch of their stars. Kevin Durant returning to the lineup last night, but not Monday, Tuesday. So the Raptors avoided him. And then they stare down the barrel of the last two teams in the East. 14 and 15, scrapping and scratching and everything else against each other for the basement of the Eastern Conference coming to town on back-to-back nights, Thursday, Friday, and the Raptors lose again to the Pistons as Dwayne Casey continues to have Toronto's number. And yes, I know, no Fred Van Vliet, no OG Ananobi, but still, the Pistons, I don't know what it is, Jonesy. I don't know what magic elixir Dwayne Casey has. I posted a picture after the game on Twitter of just... Superman stuck behind the uh, a prism that was made of kryptonite. That's kind of what the Raptors have been against Dwayne Casey, uh, certainly the last couple of seasons. But since he has gone to Detroit, uh, he has absolutely dominated Toronto. He has, and you know, you say that. Well, there's, uh, there's, there's, you got to play it on on the court, not on paper. What did we say yesterday? Right? You could. If Cleveland's down a little bit. And in the group chat, you're just like, you're just, you're just hammering the Cavs like Batman in the movie the other night. Just like boom, boom, boom. You're all over them, and they 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 are down. And you know the Raptors could could have seen a potential five game win streak, uh, but you got to – What do we say? You can't get to five until you get to three, and they couldn't have got. They they didn't get last night's. I don't know what it is, Eric. And Dwayne Casey kind of joked uh, with me with us. I don't know if he did this on air, but I don't, I don't think we're telling tales out of school. He said, well, you know, in terms of why we have such a good handle on him, I don't know if he was saying it kind of jokingly or seriously as, as you know, as the phrase goes, many a truth hath been said in jest. And he said, well, you know, they're running a lot of the same stuff that they did when I was there, and we're running a lot of the same stuff too in terms of the offense. So knowing how to defend it and knowing what the options are. I, well, how come it's working for Detroit and they're shooting north of 50% for three quarters of the game and the Raptors are still stuck in the low 40s? Like, how come the stuff works for you and it doesn't work for them? You know, that. so, and his players will never, well, Dwayne will never say it, but his players know what it means for him uh, to be, you know, the winningest coach all time in Toronto. Build them from 23 wins up to almost a... Remember, Eric, that last night of the season in 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 2018? I mean, they are going for 60 wins. The Toronto Raptors going for 60 wins in Miami. And they were probably about three, four minutes away. And it... it you know, it hurt eventually later on because Fred hurt his shoulder in the game and all of that. But, um, yeah, Dwayne's got – he's got the – as you say, the kryptonite. He's got the, the touch against Toronto. And uh, 
you know, if you're the Raptors, those are games you really need to take care of. They, you, I, you said it. No, there was no Pasca, no uh, OG, no Fred, but there was no OG and no Fred against Brooklyn too, and, mm-hmm. and they were able to take care of those. So you got to get those. You know, those are the ones you look back at. There's four of them this year. E right? They got swept four, like uh, three, three. Sorry, it? there's there's three yeah. of them this year. Yeah, that's two straight yeah. seasons being swept by Detroit. I mean, yep. crazy, yep. absolutely well, crazy. It, Here's the number that I saw last night. I mean, we, we just mentioned uh, swept last year, swept this year. So Dwayne Casey has won six straight. Well, not Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey's team has won six straight against Toronto. He's won nine out of 12 since going to Detroit. And if I, 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 I jotted this down, and I honestly, I, I'd give the shout out if I remember who had it. Um, I don't know if it was Eric or Josh. Uh, I wrote it down. I apologize. I'd, I'd, I'd give the shout-out. Even if it was the competition, I'd shout it out because I didn't do the research on this. But over the last 104 games, uh, I wrote down Pistons 6-0 and against Toronto and 21-77 and against the rest of the league. Wow. So for some bizarro reason, they just seem to have – here's the other thing, too. And, and I'll, I'll admit, Jonesy, you know, we often talk about the U.S. media maybe not watching Toronto enough. I watch a lot of NBA, a lot of NBA. You watch, I'm sure, even more than I do. I watch a ton of games. I often will, at the very least, make an effort to watch whoever Toronto's next opponent is. But, heck, I just love the game, so I'm watching a lot of games. I don't watch a lot of Pistons basketball. It's not that I don't watch any, but I don't watch a ton. And when I watch, okay, you know, Stewart's pretty good. I told you yesterday, and you said the same. I, I like Sadiq Bey a lot. Clearly, Cade Cunningham has had a fantastic season since getting healthy. You got a couple of vets and Olenek and Joseph, the Canadians. You know, Grant, solid player that we all thought was probably going to be dealt around trade deadline day, but he says he wants to be a part of this thing, and he's a threat, no doubt. But I look and go, okay, yeah, like, you know, they, they've been good. When they played Toronto, they look great. Like, Isaiah Stewart looked like a menace at times last night. Sadiq Bey, although he was 3 of 12 from distance, Looked like he couldn't be stopped at times. Grant, Cunningham, like, they all seem to have their best efforts in a 3-5 game stretch. It's against Toronto. Like, and, and I can't equate it to other than there's a rally cry in the locker room, but Dwayne Casey tells us that, no, that's not the case. It's like, I don't buy that it's just another game, but apparently there are no extra words said or any extra, you know, motivation to the players. Like, I really want this one. To, you know, this is, this is my old stomping grounds. Go get this one. It might just be one of those things, and I hate to sound cliche, but it, where there's certain matchups that are just not good for certain teams. And I can't look at this team and say why Toronto can't or shouldn't or wouldn't match up well against them. And this even comes on a night, Jonesy, where Pascal Siakam is 10 of 15 for 28 and 5. Scotty Barnes is 7 of 13 for 21 and 10. We're talking about 17 of 28 from your front court. Malachi Flynn didn't play as much, but four of six, very efficient. I, I'm not pinning it on one guy, but perhaps your best shooter, your best threat from the perimeter, especially with Van Vliet sideline and even Ananobi for that matter, Gary Trent Jr. went three of 15 from the perimeter and four of 23 overall. Again, it's not on one guy, but I look at the efficiency of Flynn and Barnes and Siakam, even off the bench, pressure Shachua, and at the end of the night, that should have been enough. But it wasn't. Yeah. Um, look, here's the other thing I'll say, E, when you talk about matchups. Uh, maybe it is the matchup. And then when you said, you know, 
no special words. Well, there won't be any special words for do from Dwayne Casey, not from him to the team. That's not his. We know him. That's not his style. But you don't tell me that his guys, as I said earlier, don't feel this. I, Adrian Griffin has a great line as a coach, uh, and he's, he said that to us before. He says, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And Dwayne Casey is, as a coach, he epitomizes that idea of being a leader of people. In the NBA, a leader of men. And he, you know, he talks to these guys the same way he would talk to all of us or his players about life. So they know how much he cares, and they probably know how much you know, what, whatever he built in Toronto and the way it ended meant to him. So he doesn't need to say anything. They feel that. And the, I'm sure there's a rallying cry amongst the players with extra words. That being said, there's execution on the court. And, you know, they got into the lane. Uh, you said Isaiah Stewart looked terrific at times. They, they moved the ball. They had high assist numbers. They they did they did a good job defensively and you know when I look at when I look at uh, Gary Trent Jr. It, it, those guys you know we talk about how many games we watch and don't watch those guys do watch games and they know that Gary Trent Jr. Uh, is very capable of stepping forward and making shots and and carrying a team and I'm sure they've seen that and they put it on their 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 clips and and you know, the scouting report, and they made it tough for him right off the hop, E. He was 0 of 7 in the first quarter. So the, the word's out. No room for this guy. Take away time and space and, and make him feel you. And I'll say this, as a guy, you know, as a guy who played or you're in those games, when you know a couple of your guys are out and you've been playing well and it's kind of come on you to be the guy and step forward, and you start 0 for 7, now it gets in your head. And you're kind of pressing a little bit. And because they've taken away your time and space early and you've missed a few shots, now you're looking for that defender. Like, just look at the last play. Somebody on Twitter said, oh, Trent should have taken the three. Well, it looked to me like the last play was designed for a little misdirection, then a dribble handoff, and a couple screens for Gary Trent Jr., and they were on him. They were wearing him. He, he just, there's no way he stops and pulls up for that three undeterred. He's, he's going to be under duress. He's going to be. And then are you risking, like, maybe you get fouled, maybe you don't. He was already, what, 3 of 15 or something like that at that point. I don't even know what the number was. And it's, it's the accumulation of everything that's happened since the first quarter. So, you know... Give Detroit credit. And, oh, by the way, Rex Kalamian's on Dwayne Casey's bench, and he was in Toronto too. And if, and if Dwayne joked that he knows the stuff that Toronto's running, then you can bet Rex knows it too as a defensive coach, as the guy who's responsible for the defense. So I, I shake my head. I don't know what it is like you, but give the Pistons credit. They, they do it to Toronto. Uh, and, and, you know, they're, they're six in a row and counting. All right, a couple things, Jonesy, to pass along, and maybe, maybe I should have mentioned this off the top, but uh, but but 
uh, if folks didn't read it or, or hear it, uh, Jonesy, unfortunately, you weren't able to be at the game yesterday. Uh, but I know you were watching as as you're you're battling through, uh, hit by the hit by the COVID bug that you've been trying to duck and dodge as you uh, tweeted out for a couple of years now, and it finally caught up to you. So I hope you're doing well. I can I can hear you a little bit nasally, but otherwise you're 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 fine and and hopefully uh, good to go in five six days, and we'll we'll have you right back at it. But the reason I bring that up is people were asking about you last night. I ran into Dwayne Casey before the ball game last night, and. Uh, and he said to me, he said, he goes, man, I guess, uh, you know, you guys are getting hit a little bit right now. He said, Matt and Jack. And I said, yeah. And, and Jonesy, he's like, what? I said, yeah, just, just today, Jonesy. Oh, no, pass along my best to Jonesy. And so I had a chance to chat with Dwayne for just about, I don't know, a minute or so outside the uh, the press conference room. And we were talking about, you know, getting ready for the game again. And, and I said, I go, oh, you've had this team's number. And he just kind of gave me that smile. I said, well, we'll see, E, we'll see. And I no sooner left talking to Dwayne. <laughs> That's, That's him, isn't yeah, it? <laughs> yeah, we'll see, we'll see. And then I I go out on the floor. First person I see, Rex Kalamian came over. How's it going? How, you know, shook hands and how you doing? And you know, how's Jonesy? Well, oh, then I'm filled, filled to hit him in as well. So he passed along his best. And uh, and I said to Rex, I go, you guys, you know, bit, bit of a tough year, but you're battling. And he goes, yeah, tough year. And then he looks over at Cade Cunningham. He's like, that kid's special. That kid's real special. And I said, yeah, he, he, he certainly is. And Jonesy, that's maybe a guy we haven't talked enough about, the yeah. battle of the rookies last night on the day that Scotty Barnes wins Rookie of the Month. Uh, you know, it was a couple of days ago that Brian Windhorst said to us that he spoke to Cade Cunningham who said, I want Rookie of the Year. I'm gunning for that, and that's what I, you know, I'm, I, that's my goal. And he's certainly making a case, and it was a heck of a battle between the two of them last night. Yeah. Um, man, it was. It was. And, and uh I, I thought Scotty, I, both of them, I thought they were both terrific. Cunningham had a huge block at the end of the game. Scotty had, Scotty had a, a big block late in the fourth quarter as well. Um, I, the East and both of these teams are going to be in good shape with these two young guys going forward. Um, they just, uh, especially Scotty, like just have, having seen him as much as we have. And he's doing it in a winning environment, E. Uh, you know, he's... I'm not saying Cade, Cade Cunningham's play is irresponsible, but Cade is, the, is one of the focal points of what Detroit is doing offensively. Scotty can be at times, but that's not in his nature to, to, to be like that. Uh, you know, he's, he's fitting in nicely with guys who are... Good veteran players, star veteran players in Fred and Pascal. So, uh, you know, I and, and Scotty's winning. So, again, if I were to the nod, I, I, if you asked me to vote right now, uh, it would be Mobley one, uh, Barnes two, or maybe Barnes one, Mobley two with Toronto on the climb and Cleveland on the, on the decline, Cunningham three, um, I had somebody else in there. Josh Giddy's in the top five. Josh Giddy's five. I forget who I had at four. Giddy's uh, got to be in there because I know he's playing on a terrible team, but he's one rookie of the month in the West every month. Yeah, like, yeah. He's, he, he, like, yeah. There's no, nobody else, right? He, he's he got to be, be up there. He would be number five on my all-rookie team. I'm just, I'm just trying to remember who, who, who my my fourth was. Uh, but yeah, no, the, the 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 battle between the two of them last night was was really good. I, I, Cunningham's a really good player. I mean, he's he's calm. Uh, he doesn't get. He he, he seems to uh, be cool under pressure and not get frazzled. 
Uh, he's got an awareness about him. And, and to Rex's point, like Scotty, he's a big, strong guy that can handle the ball and make stuff happen. Uh, I think Scotty's got right now a little bit more versatility in his game. Like you see Barnes, he gets a little guy on him. Oh, it's, it's as Shaq would say, barbecue chicken. He punishes him <laughs> by, by going into the lane and, or backing people down. And his, his knack for the ball around the offensive glass, Scotty, is something that's really coming to the forefront, too. So uh, it, it's going to be a terrific race and a really, really tight vote coming down the stretch. Just, just a quick aside to all of this, and you just brought up the line. I, I don't know if it's the same as for you, Jonesy. I love the barbecue chicken line. But it's missing something when it's not said by Shaq. Like, like, no disrespect to you, I'd throw myself in the same boat. You say barbecue chicken, I say barbecue chicken. It's okay, yeah, it's a good line. But in Shaq's, you know, sort of low voice, whatever, it's just it has more impact. It has more effect. Like, I don't know if anybody else can say it better than Shaq with the, when it's Nobody. in terms of barbecue chicken. Like, it's just like it's better when it's coming from him. Um, all right, Lance, I'm, I'm producing on the air a little bit here. Let's start with number two for Nick Nurse first because I want to get to the other subject uh, in a moment, if that's cool with you, Lanzo. We're going to go to Nick Nurse after the ball game, uh, just talking about the loss last night and how nothing was working. I thought we had a segment there where we were just really um, not not switched in defensively very well. We were, we were really giving up a lot at the rim in the first quarter. and. Well, we were giving up both. We were giving up rim and we were giving up uncontested shots. And that was, it was just, um, again, not quite switched in enough to guard it, right? And kind of dug ourselves a little hole. And then, like you said, it was um, um, not quite enough offensive production, too. Well, yeah, no doubt about it. Raptor shot 43%, only 27% from distance. Pistons at 45 and only 29, but that's all they needed. And it turned out to be a bit more of a uh, squeaker than it was looking for a while as Detroit tried to gain control at one point, going up by 18. Jonesy, the Raptors go on a 34-18 to 18 run after Nick Nurse was ejected. But... That 18-point deficit, you do the math, 34-18, that's 16. They fell too shy. They lose the ballgame, 108-106. And uh, Nick Nurse, after the ballgame, addressed his ejection. I mean, I saw the replay, right, which is probably probably wasn't wasn't good for me to see. I mean, you know, I mean, again, we... We stole the ball a couple of times clean in the first half, and I had to burn timeouts. To, you know, I had to burn a timeout to challenge one. Stole one right before that clean. Blocked the shot there clean. I mean, it can only take so much. And it's understandable, Jonesy. Like, I, I, I didn't want to lead the show with it because, uh, listen, there is no grand conspiracy theory against the Toronto Raptors, especially when they're playing. It's not like the league's going, ooh, let's let the Raptors lose to one of the worst teams in the league and keep this Dwayne Casey streak going. But there were... A number of times last night where I was raising that spocky and eyebrow going, what like, I, what did I just see? Why was the whistle just blown? Like, uh, it, 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 it was not a great whistle. And you could, you could just feel, I'm sure you could feel it from home, anybody that was yeah, watching, listening yeah. or otherwise, you could feel the tension rising and you were just waiting for that bubble to burst. If something happens, somebody's going to pop off. And something happened and somebody popped off. Yeah, and look, um, 
There was a study done probably 10, 15 years ago that I saw that said when there's technical fouls called on team A, something like 30 of the next 50 calls or, or 45 calls went in favor of team B. Like, like you call a technical, you, you get a tech or you get thrown out and your team for whatever reason, maybe they become more aggressive. They they start to play better, and you get you start getting calls. And that's why a lot of people will say, "Oh, get up, come on, coach, take a tee." That doesn't always work because you know the rest of that percentage is the refs look at you and say, "Stop complaining." And if you think that's bad, you ain't seen nothing yet. Now I'm going to interpret everything by the letter of the law against your team. And I don't think it's, again, a great line when you say grand conspiracy. I don't think there's any grand conspiracy. But you have to remember we're dealing with human beings and human nature. And, you know, if, if, if you're the Raptors, the, the only thing you can do really is, is try to be aggressive off the hop and establish stuff. And, and it's interesting. I won't, I, won't, I won't give them up, but I was talking to one assistant coach um, over the last little while, and he talked about how aggressive teams can be defensively and what that does with the officials. You know, Dwayne Casey's always, always said when he was in Toronto, if it's a street fight, hit first, right? If it's a street fight, hit first. And that speaks to being aggressive. And with regard to the whistle, E, when you're the more aggressive team or you establish a certain style of play, I think of the old Georgetown teams where they just... It seemed like they fouled you when you got off the bus for crying out loud, but the referees couldn't call them all. And this coach said to me, there are some teams, and he puts Toronto in that category, that are very aggressive and very physical. And when they play like that, they get the benefit of the calls. And I, I looked at him, I said, really? I'm, I'm around Toronto all the time. I don't, I don't see that. But then again, you know, maybe it's our perspective. But the point being, you can... You can help dictate the whistle by the way you play, and I think that happens early in the game. I don't disagree with 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 any of that, Jonesy. I think that's a good breakdown of things as well. Um, you got to hey, and again, I keep saying I, I I don't mean for it to sound cliche, but you got to find a way to battle through. You got to find a way to keep playing. It's the Raptors' credit, I suppose. They did do that, and and you often talk about, we've often talked about on the broadcast, and and you see it around sports in general. Uh, those moments where you get juiced up, you get fired up, and, and especially when somebody gets ejected or a coach gets ejected, does that seem to you know catapult and motivate the team? Well, it certainly seemed to help last night. And I, with due respect, I don't know if it was just Adrian Griffin. How about Fred Van Vliet? He was standing up in the sidelines. He pretty much assumed the coach's box half the time. He was down there in the stance, and, and he was barking out directions and, and whatever else. He was full-on coach mode last night, and it nearly worked again as the Raptors closed the game 34-18 to after Nurse's ejection, but they fall too short after the ball game. Here was Pascal Siakam's um, explanation or his description of the night's events. I think I think for us is yeah we know how how good we can be when we do everything that we're supposed to do. Um, I think that that's that's the 
that's the the challenge there is you know taking every single game and 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 going out there and and, and bringing effort um, and understanding that you know the NBA is tough. Like every single night, there's teams that come come out to try to get a win against you, and and you got to be able to to have that focus to um, close out games or or not let you know teams get confident you know uh, against you. So we gotta we gotta be better at that um, and, and be more consistent. Uh, on that and, and pay attention to details because, um, yeah, those those are games that we definitely want to win. Siakam again last night, 28 points on 10 of 15. Uh, did not take a three ball last night, shot 8 of 10 at the free throw line, five rebounds, two assists, and a steal in the ball game. The good news, I guess, for the Raptors, if there is any good news that came out of last night, the Brooklyn Nets also lost. So even though Durant returned to the lineup, uh, Brooklyn loses 113-107 to the Miami Heat. I guess the bad news, Boston won, so they gain more ground on the Raptors. So Toronto loses no ground against the Nets, but they lose ground against Boston as Boston beats Memphis 120-107. And I suppose if we look a little further, they're not, like, buried by any means, so it still is a factor. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks beat the Chicago Bulls 130 124, the final in that game. So Atlanta picks up a game, but they're still four back. So as we sit here right now, Jonesy, oh, look out. Who has fallen down to the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference? The Cleveland Cavaliers now are the team right ahead of the Raptors. And it would have been even better, the script, the story, had Cleveland, or excuse me, had Toronto won last night because that might have meant Sunday. If Toronto took care of business, Toronto might have had a chance to leapfrog the Cavaliers in that game in Cleveland on Sunday. But as it stands, that's now the team they're eyeing. As Boston has jumped up to fifth, they have a two-and-a-half game lead over the seventh-place Raptors. Cleveland in sixth, only two games up on Toronto. And then Toronto's lead, they're three up on the Nets, four up on the Hornets, four up on the Hawks. So all things said, eh, you didn't get totally bit last night, but that's still a game that could come back to bite you if you have... Many more of those. You can't have a whole lot of slippage here in these last 20-odd games. No, you can't, especially, well, you talk about being bit last night. They've been bit three times by Detroit. No doubt. And, and, and uh, take, take, take the three Detroit games, and as you always say, E, I don't want three of them. Give me one. Give me two. So, so, so take the Detroit game, one Detroit game, and the Cleveland game, which still sticks in my craw, that you mm-hmm. led for 47 minutes and 53 seconds <laughs> uh, back, like you, you led the entire game. So take those two games and put them in the left-hand column, and you are now 36 and 26. And that's right where Cleveland is right now. You'd, you'd, be, you'd be in a – just two games, two games – not 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 eight or six or look back and should have had that one, could have had that one. Just two games, just two. One from Detroit and that Cleveland game, what was it, the, the ninth, tenth game of the year? And we said it at the time. Oh, you just, you just know it. These are the ones that come back to haunt you in March and April when you're scuffling for wins and you look back in November and go, oh, we let that one go. And listen, the team that's coming here tonight, the Orlando Magic, we're almost saying that about what happened with them, too. Think about it. They, they escaped with a, a very narrow victory over Orlando earlier in the season. So mm-hmm. you, you just you got to take care of business and move on. And, and as you said, the last 20 games here, 20-odd games, 
can't slip, can't fall down. Yep. Well, and I, and I think you would agree, Jonesy, too, and I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but chances are you didn't anticipate going 3-0 and against Milwaukee, so you didn't anticipate going 0-3 against the Pistons. So maybe okay. it's all even and out in the wash, right? Maybe, it's, maybe this is who you are, and this is kind of who the Raptors have been. Six games above 500 is nothing to sneeze at for this team. You know, I, I think it's still a solid record for them, but there's work to be done, period. And, and you, if you've got work to be done, can't have slippage like that. So... This is where you're going to make yourself now. These these final 20 games, the Raptors now sitting at 34 and 28. If my math is correct, which is always dangerous, that means there's exactly 20 games left. So you know what? You got a quarter of the season. Go get it done. Go get it done. And I don't think 500 is going to be enough. You got to be, I would think, minimum 12 and 8. You got to go get it done here over these final 20 games. Yeah. Uh, All right. <laughs> Want to move on? Yeah, let's go. Let's move. Because there's, cause there's a, 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 a good story to talk about as well. The Boston Celtics, sorry, folks, I know they're ahead of the Raptors now, a couple teams ahead of the Raptors as they've moved into the fifth spot. And we were talking yesterday about Canadian Nick Stauskas, who was going off in the G League, put up 57 and 43 on consecutive games, 100 points in two games. And I said yesterday, you know who could use them? The Lakers. Well, I'll tell you what, they could have used them last night. They could have used some shooting last night uh, for Los Angeles as they got the doors blown off them in the second half as they lose 132-111 to the Lakers. But no, the Lakers didn't sign Stauskas. The Boston Celtics did. A two-year deal as well for Nick. So he will be in a Boston uniform, and he will be in and on our show next on Smith & Jones. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Smith & Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review as well. Now, when we originally booked this guy, or we're trying to track this guy down, I would have said in the intro, joining us now from the Grand Rapids Gold, but nope. In a matter of uh, 12, 18 hours, the uh, narrative shift, and, uh, well, we send out huge congratulations to former member of the Grand Rapids Gold and now Boston Celtic, Nick Stauskas. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you guys for having me on. And uh, I guess I'm, uh, what is it, Atlantic Division rival now? Is that what we're yeah. calling it? There you yeah. go, Nicky. There you go. There you go. Good job, man. That we're, re- we're real happy for you, and uh, you're you're showing that uh, you got to keep at it. You got to keep grinding, and things work out. So good for you, man. Thank you. I appreciate. It. Yeah, it's been it's been a crazy 72 hours, and like, uh, man, I'm not a like I'm not a very like spiritual person, but like the sequence of events that transpired for me personally over the last like three four days has been it's been pretty remarkable. So I'm just you know, I'm truly grateful to kind of be in this position right now, and uh, just over the moon excited about it all. So, Nick, let, let's back up a little bit um, and, and maybe t- walk us through, talk us through, I don't know, the last however long you want to say, three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, because I know we had you on the show about a year ago, and the decision for you, I'm sure you had opportunities, uh, whether it be in the G League, overseas, and other options for you, and you ultimately end up with Grand Rapids. Like, How has the last year been for you and the path to get back to the NBA with the Celtics? Honestly, I don't even know where to start on that, but, um, you know, long story short, not a lot of people, not a lot of people know this, but, uh, my wife, my wife is pregnant and, you know, we're expecting a baby in September and, um, throughout this whole journey this year, you know, I've seen a lot of guys get call-ups and 10 day contracts and, 
you know, I've kind of been grinding it out in Grand Rapids. And uh, honestly, I haven't told anyone this, but the day of the 57-point game, um, that afternoon, I was actually sad enough. I was I was ready to walk away from the game. Um, I was kind of ready to retire and just I was kind of thinking that if this year nothing panned out, if I didn't get an opportunity, I was kind of ready to walk away from the game and start a new like kind of start a new life with a child and kind of figure things out. And um, I was taking a pregame nap. I was getting ready to take a pregame nap the, the, the day of the 57 point game and my wife was kind of like talking me off the ledge because she knew how kind of down and frustrated I was. And she knew I was kind of going through a lot of things mentally. And uh, she hit me with this one. She said, you know, don't waste our time out here in Grand Rapids. If you're going to do it for anyone, do it for me and the baby. And she said that. And I was like, just sitting there like, damn, like when my daughter is born, like she asked me like, Hey, how did your career end? Like, what am I going to tell Like I quit. I gave up when things got tough. And like, it was kind of like a corny, cheesy moment, but, like, I was laying there in bed and I couldn't take my pregame nap. I couldn't sleep because of, like, how guilty I felt just having this kind of, like, negative mindset I was in. And um, I headed to the arena that day, and sure enough, I'd go for 57, and then the next day go for 43, and then the next day get signed by the Celtics on a two-year deal. And, like, when I said I'm, like, I'm not a spiritual person, um, but the the sequence of events that happened over that seventy two hour period, I, I truly cannot explain to you the like highs and lows of it all, and it really puts things into perspective for me. Where I'm like, damn, just truly grateful to be here because I've worked so damn hard, and in some ways, this means more to me than being drafted in 2014 because I had to work for at least it feels like I had to work harder to kind of get this opportunity. So. Like, I'm just over the moon excited about this opportunity. I'm grateful for the Celtics organization for giving me this chance, and I'm kind of ready to make this comeback now. I'm super pumped. Nick, was there anybody else in the mix? I mean, I'm sure it it felt it was difficult watching everybody get call-ups in 10 days. I mean, even a guy like Joe Johnson, who's been out of the league for the longest time, they bring him back, and... And you're kind of standing there going, hey, hey, what about me? I, I, I get that part of it. I, I really, really do. But was there anybody else or did just Boston just kind of come in hot with this and and it was it was done that quickly? Uh, well, my agent came to me yesterday morning and, and kind of said that he thought this deal like had some legs and that we were going to probably get something done by the end of the day. Um, and we had a couple of other teams as well that were, you know, interested and were talking to me, but no one else kind of was, like, willing to pull the trigger last night. And so it was one of those things where, like, I wasn't going to wait around and, like, talk with other teams and kind of, like, risk losing this. And so I kind of jumped on it right away. And um, the interest with Boston has been mutual for a while. Like, before this season started, I signed an Exhibit uh, Exhibit 10 deal with Denver. And before I signed with Denver, I was also considering taking exhibit 10 with Boston. And I had conversations with Brad Stevens all throughout August and September. Um, and he mentioned to me, he was like, Hey, even if you don't decide to play for us this year, um, you know, for our, our G league team in, in Maine, he goes, I'm still going to have my eye on you. And, you know, I don't think this is going to be the last time we cross paths. So when Brad called me last night, it was kind of cool to see that come full circle because we had had this conversation six months ago um, and to see that kind of all pan out and for us to get this deal done, like, again, like I said, not a spiritual person, but, man, it was kind of crazy how this all how this all came together. 
Speaking with Nick Stauskas, Nick, it's a, it's it's a great story the way you uh, you know the way you recount it to us. And, and listen, <laughs> you you know me, you know us. Uh, I'm not a doctor; don't want to pretend to be one here. But like, take me back to that moment. That I mean, you admitted yourself. You're you're you're, you're kind of like ready to just say, "All right, it's I'm done. Time to move on." Like, why do you think you got to that point? Like, is it is it the culmination of the work and not realizing the fruits of your labor? Is it the last two years, like it's been weighing on everybody? Like, like how, how or why do you think you got to that point where you were ready to hang it up and that one little thing, that one conversation, your wife just flipped the script for you? Well, like, I don't know. A lot of people don't realize, like, the life of the average professional athlete probably isn't as glamorous as you may think. Like, yeah, the guys like Steph and LeBron, they – they somewhat choose their own destiny and, you know, get to choose where they play. And obviously they live a different life, but for guys like me who have been journeymen, like, man, I've been playing professionally for eight years. And in those eight years I've played in, you know, Sacramento, Philadelphia, Brooklyn, Portland, Cleveland, Spain, played for the Raptors 905, played for the Grand Rapids gold. And like, when, especially when you have a wife and kid, like uh, a baby on the way, like, the moving and the uncertainty of the year to year, like picking up your bags and just moving to a new city, like it weighs on you. And it's not just the basketball anymore. It's just like, damn, this life is, it's sometimes exhausting. And, you know, working as hard as I have the last two years since I've been out of the league, like, you know, at some point when you're not getting, you know, the recognition or you're not getting those opportunities, you know, I just, you have that, you have that conversation in your mind, at least for me. And I'm like, all right, well, maybe, maybe I'm not that good. You know, maybe like I'm biased and thinking that, you know, I deserve this opportunity because the people who matter and the people who are making these decisions don't seem to think that. And, you know, you start convincing yourself that like, maybe, you know, maybe this was all for nothing. And, you know, those are the kind of like dark conversations, unfortunately, that I've had to have with my, that I've, you know, had with myself over the past couple of years. And, um, again, I don't know how it all happened. Like maybe that one conversation with my wife kind of flipped the switch, but, Man, the feeling that I had on the court the last 48 hours when I went out there was a different feeling that I've had the past year. And um, I don't know if it helped me flip a switch or whatnot, but I'm just, I'm truly grateful for things to have happened the way they did. And I'm just excited now. Hey, Nick, I don't want to put words in your mouth here, but I'm assuming when you talk about all the things weighing on you, when you talk about moving and bouncing around and everything else, you're not just thinking about yourself. It's your 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 girlfriend, your fiance, now your wife, and it's your your soon to be child, and it's the dogs and the life and everything that goes with the hopscotching of moving all over the map. Is it not? Hundred percent. And like my my wife, she's an attorney now. Like she she actually is working out here in Grand Rapids. She got a job out here because she wanted to like keep herself busy and occupied. And it's like it weighs on me too because I'm like, damn, she just got a job and now she's moving and like even when she was going through law school, I was, you know, getting traded from team to team. And she was, you know, going to university of Oregon when I was playing in Portland. And then she took a year off of school to go with me to Spain. And it's like, she's been delaying her own career. And like, that's why I say it's, it's more than just me at this point. It's like, it weighs heavily when your family goes through it with you. Um, but again, it makes like, it makes these moments a lot sweeter because she was like in tears so happy because she's gone through those lows with me, you know? And then, uh, to celebrate those moments with her and the rest of my family and friends, like, and just truly, like, I can't even put into words how, how much it means to me to have this kind of come full circle. So uh, I'm just so happy, man. You have no idea. Yeah, Nick, Nick, we, we're, we're happy for you. And 
Listen, you struck a, a nerve, you struck a chord with me because Eric and I, in our business, the same thing, right? You you aspire to a certain level, you think you're there, and you kind of look around and you go, well, I guess they don't think I'm any good. So, like, we've all been there. We, we, we have all been there. And I guess for me, the question is, if you... And I'm glad it didn't end the way the way you thought it might, lying on the bed before your pregame nap. But when it's all said and done, what does Nick want to do? What do you want to do, Nick? When it's because it sounds like you were close to it, like you you, you talked yeah. about starting something new. It's got to involve basketball in some way or other. You can't. I just I know you, Nick, and you're just not going to walk away from this game forever. No, and I was, again, that, the thought of doing that was so scary to me. But, like, that's how, like, I was really, that's how, like, fed up or, like, frustrated I was with the situation is that I was literally ready to get to that point. And even now, like, thinking, I'm like, damn, was I really ready to do that? Because I love this game so much, and it's been my whole life. Like, it's just been, like, the thing that I care about so much. Um, but, man, after basketball, I definitely think I'll still be involved in the game. Like I spent a lot of time in the TSM studios working like Raptors playoff games. And I think when I'm done my basketball career, I would definitely love to kind of get back into like the broadcasting and doing TV work or basketball analysis of some sort. Like I, I love the game way too much to kind of like be away from it. So hopefully I can, uh, I can continue that going at some point, but um, yeah, I'm, Again, I'm so grateful that that things have kind of come together because I, I really I wasn't ready to leave the to leave the game or step away from it. And so sometimes all you need is to like kind of get that inkling of hope, and um, I, I was lucky enough to receive that. Okay, so first of all, though, Nick N- Nabil is now stateside, and and so we're gonna scrub those three letters from this interview because we're gonna get you at Sportsnet then instead, and we'll we'll, we'll get you working at Sportsnet. Seeing as you guy Nabil is down stateside now. Um, joking aside, though, let me tie in that question with the last comment you made a couple of minutes ago about, you know, uh, the, the, the thought of, well, maybe people don't think I'm any good or, or, or that, those, those thoughts that creep into your head. What did the Celtics say to you then and these conversations that perhaps you've had ongoing, whether it be directly with you or with your agent and whatnot? What did Brad Stevens or whomever from the Celtics say? Like, why were you their guy finally now? They're not just going to sign a guy because of two games. They've obviously had their eye on you. So what is it about you that they like, that they want, and what were the conversations like? Yeah, um, like I said, there's been some mutual interest there between myself and Brad for a while. And like I said, I've had conversations with him over the last year about potentially having this work out with them. So, um, but I joked, like I joked with my wife yesterday. I'm like, well, Man, I guess all it takes is scoring 100 points in 24 hours to get a decent face. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, I don't want to say it was like that's all it was, but like, I'm like, damn, I, you know, I feel like I've been playing some solid basketball all year, and like my agent's been saying, yeah, you know, there's some teams interested, but like, literally, it took 100 points in 24 hours to kind of have this all come full circle. So. I don't know if, like, that was exactly it, but I'm also kind of thinking, like, yeah, sometimes it's you need an eruption of some sort to get people's attention. Nick, um, you're going to Boston. Uh, what do you know about them? Obviously, look, a guy like you, a shooter is like, is like it's like having a nice suit or a nice pair of shoes. You, you never have too many of them. You're going to Boston. What do you know about their team? And where do you start looking at them and say, 
hey, here's where I can help. Aside from my shooting, here's the here's some other things that I can do for this team. And as you said, having been around the league, I'm sure there's some other stuff you can add in the locker room and around scouting reports and 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 league personnel as well. Yeah, well, I mean, well, first first and foremost, like I I forget sometimes because of how kind of crazy my career's been sometimes I'm like I'm eight I'm eight years in so like I'm a vet now and uh definitely looking forward to just like being a good locker room guy from the jump and like just bringing positivity and knowledge and anything I can bring um on that end I'm looking forward to but then on the court you know obviously like you said the shooting is kind of what most teams are going to bring me in for but I feel like this year especially in the G League I've showcased like my playmaking ability my decision making out there my toughness um, and those are all things I can I can bring to that team. And like you said, everyone needs shooters um, out there. And again, I don't know necessarily what exactly my role is going to look like from day one, but like my confidence is high right now, and I'm ready to go. So wherever they need me to plug in, I'm ready to do whatever it is. Whether that's waving a towel at first and encouraging other dudes, I'm I'm all for it. Whether that's coming in and knocking down shots, playing defense, rebounding, I'm all for it. So. Um, you know, having been out of the league for two years, it's given me some perspective where it's just like, damn, I'm grateful to to share this floor with some of the best players in the world. And uh, competing on that level is all I've ever wanted. So it's uh, it's truly like realizing my dreams all over again, and like just gonna bring out this kind of like almost kid like excitement in me to just be out there and hooping again. Hey, Nick. Um, listen, we appreciate having you on today, man. Congratulations again. It's a, it's a great story, and it's certainly a great story of, uh, of, of perseverance. So good for you for sticking with it. Thanks for being as honest and, and, and sharing that, that sort of private moment with us. It's awesome. And uh, uh, I, I know I speak on Jonesy's behalf. We're both happy for you and uh, looking forward to seeing Real you at, uh, in that green and white. Real happy. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll, we'll be crossing paths again soon. I appreciate you guys having me on the show. Thanks for always supporting and believing and rooting for me. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Awesome. All right, Nick. There is Nick Stauskas of the Boston Celtics signing wow. a two-year deal yesterday. That's, that's amazing, isn't it, Jonesy? It really is. I mean, well, it's like a, like a Hollywood script. Well, you, you know, you're right. He, like, and, 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 you know, even he said, oh, it sounds cheesy and corny, but you, you get to those crossroads uh, moments in your life. And, uh, it, you know, things, things guide you. Things happen. Uh, the universe works in funny ways. So I, 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 it's good for Nick. Uh, you know, we've always said this, and, and he's, a, he's a classic example of it. It's one thing to get drafted. It's another thing to carve out a career. And, I mean, he was a top 10 draft pick by Sacramento. I mean, Big Ten player of the year. And it didn't work. And did he quit? No, he's, he's carved out a career. And, and that career has taken him literally all over the NBA and all over the world. And good for him for sticking with it. Good for him. And, you know, when he said that, or, or you know, is his daughter going to say, well, how'd your career end, Dad? Uh, well, you know, he didn't want to say, you know, I... I, I eventually threw in the towel. So good for him. Feel happy for him. Great story. And uh, look forward to watching him with Boston and, and seeing what he's able to do. That's, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome to see, no doubt about it, the uh, Celtics last night uh, winning over the Memphis Grizzlies 120-107, the final of that ball game. Boston's next game, uh, I believe, doesn't come until Sunday 
when they play the Brooklyn Nets, one of Nick's other former teams. That's the uh, 1 o'clock tip-off, the early afternoon tip on Sunday. That'll be also the evening game for the Raptors as they get set for the Cleveland Cavaliers. But before that is a tilt tonight down at Scotiabank Arena against the Orlando Magic. So Toronto has a chance to get back on track after slipping last night against the Pistons, get this win, and hope to carry a little bit of momentum into the road trip that again starts Sunday in Cleveland but then goes to San Antonio and then heads west. A six-game road trip spanning nearly two weeks. So the Raptors, with their final home game in a while, um, tonight against the Magic. We'll discuss that and a whole lot more as we continue on Smith & Jones, but make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones, especially today, every day. But if you missed a portion of that Nick Stauskas interview, you're going to want to listen back to it. You're going to want to share that one with friends and family as well. You can get our podcast wherever you download your podcast. Please rate and review as well.